to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Good morning, Hillcrest. As one of your missionary partners, I want to thank you for the partnership that you've had with Lynn and I for over three decades. Um, whether we were ministering here at Western or across the country as uh, national evangelists or in Boston, where we are now at Boston University, you have been part of our team and you have made it possible for us to touch the lives of just a multitude of college students. And it's also exciting for us because this, uh, it feels always like a homecoming to us. Um, I was three weeks old in the Lord when I came as a student to Western Washington University. And Hillcrest and Campus Christian Fellowship, you're my spiritual home. This is where all the foundations were laid in, in my life and a huge chunk. Um, Lynn had become a Christian a little earlier, but this was her spiritual home as well and still, still is. And it is encouraging for us both to hear from a distance, but as we come back to hear about what God continues to do through this community. Um, you are a major force for Jesus here. There are people whose lives have been transformed, brought out of desperate situations into life and life abundant. And many of you here are, are part of that fruit, and now you're pouring into the next generation. So you are an encouragement to us. Now, speaking of encouragements, in all honesty, I should be really depressed right now. This year... Um, we came back to a campus after two years of remote learning. That meant for two years we had students graduating, and, and we were busy. We were on Zoom. We were ministering to students on three continents. Bible studies were taking place. That was probably me. Discipleship in one way or another was happening. But we missed two incoming classes that we had no contact with. And in campus ministry, two years off campus is Armageddon. Um, we, we came back and we had one student left. And I did not intend at this point in my life, I didn't intend at this point in my life, okay, try that. I did not intend in my this time in my life to be pioneering a campus ministry. Okay, thanks. Flexibility. Okay. Life is full of storms. We sang that in the first song that we we sang together this morning. And storms are the constant in this world since we walked away. From God. This fallen world is full of storms, and it's a guarantee that they will come again and again. And, and I should know, I have um, lived through now every natural disaster except a tornado. I, I'm hoping for that one, but from a distance. Long, 
distance. But I've lived through massive earthquakes, tidal waves, um, sandstorms that have snapped every power line along the road, uh, floods, and now a pandemic. Storms keep coming. But those pale in comparison to the communities I've been a part of and the people that I've lost because my actions polluted those relationships and those became places that were no longer places of fellowship. My life before Jesus was hopping from one small community to another as my actions alienated people and, and made them places that I, I could no longer fellowship. They pale when I look around myself and look at this messed up time. To see the polarization around us, the willingness to be so judgmental so quickly, to alienate and take away the dignity of other people because their opinion might differ, to not wait and listen and compromise and learn to live together, but to alienate and label people. The willingness to tear each other apart at the smallest disagreement or perceived slight. Racism isn't new to us, but I think we all hoped that we were further down the road than we've discovered that we are. The open racism, the open sexism that we see around us, there's reason to be depressed. But there's a reminder that in the middle of what the world really looks like. And while I'm tempted to look around and say, this is the worst of all times, I've studied enough history to know it's not. We left to ourselves do a pretty bad job of living together. But the good news that we already have heard that I cling to is that there is a real solution to the situation that we live in. And in this particular moment, I think it's more important than ever for us to realize that Jesus is the most practical solution to all of the issues in our life. There are other time periods where there have been competing messages out there trying to make Jesus sound impractical and trying to show that what what somebody was presenting was shinier and, and more beautiful than what Jesus offered. But you know, all of those have crashed and burned. We're living in a time period where there are no seemingly shining alternatives to Jesus around. And when I look at his work in the world and the lives that have been put together, I'm confronted with the fact again that Jesus is not a pipe dream. He is the most practical solution to the real things that I encounter every day. In Luke 4, Jesus is baptized. And in that baptism, 
The Father speaks his approval on Jesus and the Holy Spirit descends on him. He's then tested in the wilderness. And then we come to this place where in in verse 14 it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The Son of God chose to lay aside his own power and be a model to us. He received the Holy Spirit that he then later released to us, the church, and lived a life exactly like the life that he calls us to live. And this Jesus who came full of the Spirit, there began to be a recognition that something was different. And when he comes to proclaim the difference in verse 18, he unrolls the scroll, reads from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll and says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. On that day, Jesus announced the kingdom of God has come into the world again. That was the beginning of the turning point of history. He still had to serve and suffer and die on the cross, be risen again, ascend into heaven and pour his spirit out before we all realize the full import of that. But as Jesus walked, as the spirit was within him, guiding him, ministering through him, speaking truth, the kingdom of God that we had exiled, that we had walked away, that created the storms that we all live in, the kingdom of God had entered the world again. And this world has never been the same since. In the last 2,000 years, Jesus has changed civilization. We live in a very different world than Jesus was born into. We have a long way still to go. But there are things like childhood hunger due to poverty that because of the work of the kingdom of God within the next 20 years may be eradicated from this planet. There are so many things that God is doing in the world today to change everyone's situations. The hospitals that we take for granted came because of Christian understanding of the need to serve people around us, not just let the rich have their own physicians, not send the other people who are sick out in the wilderness somewhere to die by themselves. Education in this country was started by Christians who came to this coast and said, everybody needs to be able to read the scriptures for themselves. Everybody needs an opportunity to read. And if we are going to fulfill the mission of Christ, We need to learn about this world and get skills so that we can serve and make a difference where there is lacking. And so there's so many things we take for granted that if we were to go back 
a thousand years or two thousand years. They didn't exist because God was still working through his people to establish those things. And he's still working today to take us the next step forward. But there's a realization that um, what Jesus offered was practical and what we offer uh, looks practical, but it isn't. When we look at the problems that are in the world around us, it should be evident to us that politics isn't the answer. If it was, we would have solved all these problems by now. We've had plenty of time for plenty of meetings and plenty of strategies to be worked out. If education alone could fix us, a lot of us in this room are overeducated. Problems would be done. And they're not. If good intentions could fix it, well, we know which road good intentions paves. If the answers could be found in my plans, then I'd be giving a very different talk today. Now, none of those are bad things or things that I want to abandon altogether, but they're not the answer. Today, we are told stronger than we've ever been told that if we want to solve our problems, we need to look inside of ourselves and reinvent ourselves. But if the answers were inside of us, we wouldn't have the problems. I spent the early part of my life trying to solve all of my problems, and I kept coming up to a brick wall. I knew what I wanted to do, and I did not do what I wanted to do. There needed to be something outside of myself that I didn't have to add in to allow me to live a different kind of life. And that was the Holy Spirit. The power that I lacked, God's Spirit has. All of those speed bumps and barriers in my life, He can get me past, but I can't get past on my own. And I was never smart enough to figure out that Jesus was the Son of God and that He would come and bring forgiveness but then change my life through His Spirit. It took a revelation from God and a lot of people in the Spirit ministering to me to get me to that place. When John's disciples come and, and ask Jesus, are, are, you, are you the real deal? Are you the Messiah we should hope in? Jesus doesn't give them a philosophical answer. He points to the changes that have taken place, the lame that walk, the blind that see, the oppressed that have been set free. And they walk away knowing that this Jesus is the answer that they've been seeking. Jesus is immensely practical. And I struggle in myself, to be honest. When I see problems, I take the most impractical approach first 80% of the time. Actually, probably 90. I try to figure out a solution before I go to the God that has rescued me every time. The Spirit's plans are better than mine. If I already knew how to fix it, it wouldn't be a problem. And so that dependency is important to me. 
I'd be depressed, but I work with a generation that wants to change the world. Working with uh, college students, middle school students, high school students right now, they really know that, like the rest of it, everything's screwed up, and they want to make a difference. They want to change things, but a lot of the anxiety and depression around us is that while they want to change the world, they keep getting frustrated. They're still willing to roll up their sleeves and work beside us. But when they've worked just on their own strength, they haven't seen the fruit that they want to see. And so they begin to get cynical. They begin to get depressed. They begin to get anxious because it looks hopeless around them. And so as we've started this year with our one beginning student, we realized that uh, we didn't have this Christian community to speak to and build out of. We needed to speak to people who didn't know Jesus yet. Boston is a city that has very few Christians in it, much less than than what we see here. And the schools that we work on are the top 3 4% of every high school, and that tends to be the group of students that the church doesn't reach very well. And so we needed to build a group not on the few Christians that are there because every other Christian group is trying to get them in their group as well. We need to go to people who didn't know Jesus yet. And so we've changed our approach. Uh, We do um, spiritual life workshops as our, our main meetings during the week. We don't have to look like a church service, so I don't have to preach. And while there can be worship, it can look really different. But with the students that we're working with, they don't need another philosophy. They don't need another explanation. They need to actually encounter the Spirit of God. And so we come into meetings, and, and our promise is right there in the workshop. You come and you'll encounter God during these times. One of the rules is I can't speak more than 15 to 20 minutes on any meeting. Still working on that one. Haven't got there quite yet. But then we take whatever we got from Scripture, and the goal is to work that through. So if that means waiting for God, we have a group of pre-Christians, and we wait before God. And the amazing thing about God's Spirit is He shows up. And so we have prophecies coming out of pre-Christians. I mean, if God can speak through a donkey in the Old Testament, he can speak through anybody. And so our group this year has been predominantly committed pre-Christians. And by committed, there's nothing that they miss. One student had to go home for a semester due to anxiety, which actually turned out to be a major surgery she needed. And she is with us by Zoom every time we meet. So in our main group meeting, um, one-to-ones with with Lynn, and students are discovering that God's Spirit is there. In America, we have very few atheists, and we tend to concentrate on them, but about 5% of Americans are atheists. It's not bigger than that. Most people in America believe in God, but they believe in a deistic God. They believe in a God that set things in motion and then walked away. And the most often question I get on campus is, what difference does Jesus make in the world? Because they've only heard it's about the afterlife. 
You get forgiveness and you either go to heaven or you go to hell. But what happens here? And Jesus is practical. Most of the New Testament, almost all of the New Testament, is about the life that we live here, what the quality of that life is, the abundant life that Jesus has offered here and working to establish the kingdom of God that when Jesus returns, he will complete and we will live with him for eternity. But that healing is not just for the next life. It's work that we do now. And our students, who are quick to roll up their sleeves and work, they need something that makes a difference in this world. And so we invite students to come with us as we follow Jesus, as he makes a difference in this world. We believe very much from, from experience that to see people come to know Christ, they need to belong to the community of Christ before they believe. They need to interact with us. They can't clean up their act and then hang out with us because only the Spirit can clean up our act. We come in as screwed up people, and to be really honest, I'm a forgiven, screwed up person now. But God keeps refining me, but I'm not the person that I'm, I'm going to point the finger to and say I'm, I'm the image. But in order for people to belong, they have to be able to do something. And that's really important. So one of the things that we work really hard is to make sure there are service opportunities that every new student can be a part of. Because if they don't have a task within our community, they're still an outsider. But if they have a task, there's a chance for them to see God at work to have God work through them and discover Jesus. I'm convinced that when we come back this next fall, we're going to have a number of baptisms. We're not going to end the year with baptism. We're going to start them because the work that God is doing on these students who is far, are far from Christ has been significant. And they're coming in not on some theory or philosophy of God. They are coming because they have been touched by the living God. It's hard for them to ignore them. They're coming back because something has happened in their life. I want to encourage you. Lynn's going to come up to uh, help me with the prayer at the end. But I want to encourage you. I know this community. And one of the things that marks you is that you have been involved in the lives of people who don't know Jesus yet. You've been involved in the lives of people who are hurting. You've been involved in the life of people who are hopeless. You have not distanced yourself. And so you have brought the Spirit of God into the world. And my one challenge would be is to make sure as you're doing that that you tell them they can be part of this team that's changing the world. That before they believe, you let them go out on mission with you. That you let them serve because they'll see God at work. God will begin reaching through them. And when they make a decision for Christ, it's not an intellectual one. It's based on practical evidence that they've experienced in their life. I would be depressed if I still had one student on campus. We have five new leaders. 
That's good after one year of pioneering. We have a group of 30 students around us that have felt the touch of God. Some of them are not in the kingdom yet, but they are so, so close. And so thank you for partnering with us because you have made that possible. Through your work in supporting missionaries all over the world, through your work right here in this community, the kingdom of God is expanding. But remember that the best practical hope, while the world's going to throw up everything, is the spirit of God. He's right here in this room. Wherever you go, he's at work. And there's so many things that you can't do, but he can do through you. So take a chance and continue to see what he's going to do. Lord, I thank you that you have invited us to be part of the greatest adventure and the greatest rescue team in history. I thank you that while we see the storms around us, we see the evil that takes place, that, Lord, you have allowed us to be part of bringing love and health and healing into this world. Help us to stop every once in a while and share the stories of all the people that God has allowed us to watch being healed, to share our stories with other people, because for us, you are practical. You are not pie in the sky. You have changed our life. Yes. And that same practical change can come to anyone who is willing to join, to surrender to you, and to follow you as you continue to rescue this world. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.